podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hooray! Hooray! Pod 306. Ooh. And uh, we've got Kevin Day here. Hello there. How are you? I'm all right. You didn't mention that we're the no, award nominations. This is the second start of the pod, and uh, we already talked about the award nominations. Do you know what? We're not going to mention it. We're, we're, we're bigger than that. Don't need to mention it. I'm gonna, to. I, well, I'm going to mention it every time you beg for Patreons. <laughs> I don't beg. I just ask <laughs> politely. Uh, and joining us, it's been a while since you've been on the yeah. podcast. In fact, I was thinking the other day, I think you might have been on the first ever FYP podcast. Probably, yeah. It's Ed Malian. Hello. How really? are you? This is yeah, right. come as news to me. I think the one I went in Nottingham Forest. Probably, Before, mate. I mean, like, I who knows? The first ever one was you and you on your own, then it yeah. was you and your brother, and then I was on the third one. You, no, you were on, like, the tenth one. Whatever you makes were. you feel better, Kev, but I think I was there first, mate. <laughs> uh, we're talking about whatever makes me feel better, Ed. We'll be here makes me feel better? Five-star reviews. From oh, our listeners. Oh, that's the sort of and segue that gets you those five star reviews. If you had a choice, no, no, no. If you had a choice, five star review mm-hmm. or someone votes for you in the FSA awards, what are you having? Five star review every Ooh, day. There we go. Oh, yeah. They mean a lot to me. They really mean a lot to listeners, me. Listeners, you've heard it. I take them very personally. Are you ready for this one from Dave Daniels since 78? Hi, Dave. What was he before 78? He said, essential listening for all Palace fans, the best Palace podcast. Great job, guys. I never miss an episode. Oh, thanks, what Dave. What a nice guy. And then one more, Will Winter 10. Hi, Will. Says, it doesn't get any better than this. Nothing like having a bowl of porridge in the office on a cold Wednesday morning <laughs> and listening to whether we all hate or love Roy each week <laughs> up the Palace. I suspect that Will knows that his employer doesn't listen to this pod. Then, yeah, he's yeah. Eating porridge and listening to a pod. Oh, the, the, the porridge the ties in order. nicely to the breakfast conversation that we had to cut as well. Yeah, it does, actually. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. Tudor Health. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely it's little amazing, what, there, we talk, it's amazing what we talk about as we're waiting for this podcast. It's to start. actually good chat, isn't it? It's it is, probably yeah, yeah. the best chat of the whole yeah. pod. Um, are you ready for a shout out to one of our patrons? Of course, always. I would say drum roll, but um, we were having mic issues before, so let's just not do that. Um, this week's patron is Joseph Freeman. Hi, Joseph. Oh, Jojo. Oh, Jojo. Oh, JF. Jo- yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a legend he is. Uh, you, of course, can join our patron at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. That was not a beg, it was just a mention. What levels are you at? I don't know, actually. Mm. I think just the regular level. Jason Punch. Like you should know that. The Jason yeah. Punch. Of course, at the moment, live podcast tickets. We're doing this live podcast in January. Yes. Tickets are currently available to all our patrons. Yes. And by the time this pod goes out, there still will be. And then on Wednesday morning, they go to on general sale. Where's the pod? Where's the live podcast? Uh, Streatham Space Project. Streatham in Streatham Hill. Well, by Streatham Hill Station, yes. Yeah. Is that we, cool? Is that we, place? It's, it's a nice. good venue. It's yeah, a really yeah. nice, actually, it's, it's only two years old, but it's a really good artistic hub for... Is it like the ice, where the ice rink used to be? No, no, the other no, end, further up, other end, yeah, the further end. up. But, uh, but uh, we've booked the big, really we've booked the big space, so we've got a lot of tickets to sell. Uh, but they have sold pretty well so far. Do we have a guest? Uh, we do have a very special, a special palace-related guest. guest. Secret yeah. guest. We can't yeah. mention them yet, uh, but it's going to be a good one. Someone with a lot of stories. That's what I'm going to say. We're talking about the next Sean Derry here, aren't we? <laughs> pretty much, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, should we talk about Palace? Yeah, uh, yeah. Talk about Palace at Chelsea at the weekend. Yep. Ed. A two-nil defeat. Um, against a youthful and actually the most youthful Chelsea team I think that's ever been played in the Premier League. Yeah, you know, I, I said I said at half time it looks like the youngest team in the league against the oldest team in the league, mm. Mm. and it kind of was. It, it felt like they had a lot of energy. You can see why they like Frank Lampard, and I think he went into a great situation there because they had the transfer ban. They all just hated Sarri, despite kind of you know he wasn't a bad coach, but like they you know, the fit wasn't right. With Lampard, they knew the fit was going to be great. They knew the fans were going to be right behind him, which, you know, as we know, is kind of half the battle when you're hiring mm. a new manager. But Especially at Chelsea. The transfer ban meant that expectations were really low 
And then the other thing is with Chelsea, obviously since Abramovich took over 15 years ago, they spent all this money and they've never used the academy. And like this big thing is that he put all the money into the academy. They've had all these great players who they've sold or let go who've done well. And it, and it forced them to use the academy. And now they've got a young team full of homegrown players with you know some other players dressed around it and they've got a manager they love and it's like you can see why they would love what's going on right now and like they outplayed Palace completely I thought on Saturday so, uh, interestingly the Man United team was younger that started against Brighton oh, was than, it? than the Chelsea team but it's, it's interesting how many Chelsea fans as well are saying this is the first Chelsea team that's been likeable yep. fun to watch for some time I, I was I was cross afterwards it's it, I think you have to be philosophical. It illustrates the gulf between the 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 resources of each team, and it illustrates the gulf between the approach to winning football games. It's like as Ed said, I think Frank would have picked the youngsters anyway, transfer ban or no transfer ban. Mm, But that meant that that meant they had an energy, a pace, a movement, a fearlessness, a variety of play that we can't hope to match. And it comes back to a, a variation of a question that we talk about every week on this pod is that if Frank Lampard had our squad, would he play that sort of football? Could he play that sort of football? And if Roy had their squad, would he play that sort of football? So we have this constant argument about Roy's conservative approach. Is that to blame or whether it's the lack of resources in the squad? And we'll have the same argument today, but Chelsea were (laughs) a a joy to watch. (laughs) And the the thing is, as well, I I think all the talk at the weekend about Liverpool, Man City, I think both Chelsea and Leicester... I've got a good chance Leicester of finishing second. Leicester are a really second. good team Leicester as well, were, by the way. Leicester, mm. were, I still think, probably better than Man City at Sellers Park, I think. Yeah. They, played, the they pay- completely played us off the park. And then watching them against yeah. Arsenal as well, where they completely deserve to win. Absolutely. Like, this is a really good team. Yeah. Like, that's a top four team for me. Yeah, and but, a better defence than Man City's, without a doubt. Yeah, but speaking of, I mean, going back to Palace and speaking of the options Roy has, and we talk about Roy's approach on this podcast a lot each week and that it's, it's conservative, but actually, when you look at the oh, squad... OK, don't talk about the approach then, but you talk about the options he has. Yeah. Camaras is not in the squad. Meyer's not in the squad. Like, even if you choose to take that approach, at some point, when you're maybe 2-0 down, you have to change the approach. And, you know, he didn't even bring on Benteke when they're 2-0 yeah. down. And I, like, So the, James McCarthy came on for, who was it, Coyette, I think. And everyone's like, what is going on? Like, why would you not even try and bring Benteke on at this stage? Or, or Which some, he normally does. Or just someone attacking, yeah. at least, right? Then McCarthy has our first shot on target in, what, the 60s, 70th minute? 86 minutes. 86 minutes, was it, Christ? Uh, yeah. So just like a, a left-footed shot, which is easily saved. But I just turned to my mate who I was with, um, and I was just like, you know, like, actually, like, if that just gets deflected in, yeah. Palace have got a shot, like, then they've got five minutes to try for an equaliser. Yeah. And, and it's like, that's why, like, you don't give up at 2-0 down. Like, you'd never have the great results if you, you know, like, Cristian Ball, you never, you know, if, if you just put a defensive midfielder on at 3-0 down, like, you give up. Like, that's, I think that's the thing that really annoyed people. And we, we met, um, I was with uh, Rivers, who mate of mine that you know, he's probably listening, actually. Hi. Um, he, uh, me, me and him went to meet a, a mate of ours at Chelsea season to get older afterwards. And, you know, we were talking about Chelsea, and I was like, what do you think of Palace? He was like, you didn't really try. Yeah. Uh, and we, we kind of said, like, if you're not a top eight team, we can we'll beat you. We can beat you. If you're a top eight team, we're not going to try and beat mm. you. And that's kind of where I think we are. Like they, it didn't really look like they actually tried to win the game on Saturday. I I, I got a lot of stick for this, and I wasn't having to go at the team. But I I meant it when I tweeted. If you if you haven't got a plan B or a plan C, plan A has to be foolproof. It's <laughs> yeah. as simple as that. If if plan A is not working. If plan A and plan A simply is against the, the better teams, so-called better teams, to stay in the game for as long as possible, mm-hmm. to see if you can nick something. But if you can't nick something, and we never looked like that on Saturday, eventually Chelsea will score, and then it's it's damage limitation, and then it's and it seems to me that that's probably Roy's mindset. Let's let's not damage the goal difference too much, and that's not good enough. And it's it's like it's our seventh season in the Premier League. We're not a newly promoted team trying to snatch a point. Sheffield United went there with more ambition than, than we did. Norwich go to these places with ambition. They might get tonked, but they go they, they go and have a go. But, now, but then it comes back to the old question, is that Roy's conservative tactics or mm. is it because of the players he's got at his disposal? It's a, it's a circular argument we have every well, week. Roy, I mean, Roy is you know a creature of habit and he's played this way all his career, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch him managing Switzerland in the 80s whenever yeah. it was. but 1994, mate. Okay, yeah. whatever. Um, he's always played like that. So I don't think 
he's going to then go to Chelsea and suddenly play two up top as much as we would like it. But as I said on the post-match podcast, well, no, it's not really pod, this is a Chelsea team that that's their first clean sheet in five games, is it? Yeah. four or five games. They, they can be got at. He used to play 4-4-2. He used to be wedded to 4-4-2 virtually everywhere he went. Even at Inter, he got stick for, for what was then considered mm. in Italy a, a very strange formation. And the fact is now that he's obviously been told that 4-4-2 doesn't work anymore and he's wedded to one up front. And the problem is it was quite clear that AU, who's had a good season, wasn't having a good game on Saturday early on. But then, then where are the options? Benteke is, is, is other option. You can change the way we play if you bring Benteke on. Or you can bring Schlupp on up front as he kind of eventually did. So, but, but what else has he got? Camaras is not on the bench, mm, which is yeah. another option. So all these options are like for like. And it's because we've got the same five midfield players, essentially. Mm. So, and there are two of them are on the bench and he can replace two that are playing. But they're like for like options. Yeah. I mean, to tease part two, like, I think like that will change in January, fortunately. But there is... Um, yeah, it's just it, the thing is, it's just an inevitability. And you like you mentioned Norwich, and it's like I mean, like Norwich are in the relegation zone, and like they go and attack teams, and so you understand it. And if you zoom out, it's like, yeah, like Roy's plan A over a season keeps us in the Premier yeah, League yeah, every year. Yeah, yeah. But like it is, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. I think everyone does appreciate Roy, like for what he is, right? And and like it's going to be, and he will go down as a very valuable manager in Crystal Palace history yeah. because. Keeping us in the Premier League for three consecutive seasons, if like he does that, is worth hundreds of millions of pounds to a club that yeah. you know was worth nothing ten years ago, right? Yeah. Literally nothing, like yeah. less than minus numbers. Yeah. So, like we're all going to remember that, and and it's almost like the biggest fear in Palace future is like God, who's next? Yeah. Like because you go for someone more exciting, and you know that there's the upside is there, but the downside is is pretty tragic. But also bear in mind the 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 plan for Palace isn't just to stay up; it is then to create legacies, which is yeah. the stand at the new stadium, yeah, which yeah, the will happen at some point. The twenty million pound academy investment yeah. and Roy keeping us up and the millions that that generates yeah. is all part of that bigger plan. I, th- I think, in terms of the future manager, I, I think I hope Roy will still be a manager next season I think he will be yeah I hope so but in terms of looking at the manager after that I think we've tried exciting with Frank Ball. I don't think Steve Parrish will try that approach again I think whoever replaces badly. whoever replaces Roy will be yeah. somebody it'll be a Chris Hewton type it'll be somebody with we were incredibly lucky to escape that I yeah. mean like you didn't just get burnt badly yeah. like that was one of the baddest burns of all time yeah. and that we came out the other end of that was a miracle. Yeah. It what really do you was. think? Just this is obviously a very off-topic and two years old question, but what do you think would happen if we'd stayed longer with Frank? Would we have gone down? Would we? Would we recover? Yeah, no shit. Of course yeah, we would. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. It, it, it's one of these. You know, he lost know, seven games and didn't score a goal. <laughs> like, yeah. well, no, he lost four and didn't score a goal. Sorry, yeah. No, he only got four games, didn't he? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, like, actually, to be honest, like, even I remember, I remember first hearing that, you know. Actually, the De Boer thing wasn't going that well. Like it was after the Huddersfield game, and I said, like, actually, literally first thing, game, yeah, thing, yeah. but things in things internally like aren't that good, and and like he might he might go, and I'm thinking like, there's no way we sack him after like you know before October or November, yeah. right? No one gets sacked that quickly. Yeah, fair play for being so decisive. Like that that's again one of the most influential decisions in in the modern yeah. history of the club actually to to do that because. The timeline is very, very different if he stays for three or four more games. Even crazy, isn't it? Um, well, speaking of changing, we've had a couple of questions about Saturday. Joe Legate. Hi, Joe. Um, it might be Legate. I might have said that wrong, but Joe, I might have just made you more interesting. Legate. Um, how would each of the pod? <laughs> this is this is a real putting us on the spot. How would each of the pod manage the game differently? What lineup would you have started with, and how would you adapted as the game unfolded? I feel like being interviewed for the manager's job, assuming a similar scoreline and dynamic. Well, it's, it's you might <laughs> as well you might as well ask Roy Hodgson how he would introduce the pod. To be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. because we're we're only we're only full time pub managers. I think he'd actually probably be a very good pub. He probably would. For the, it, would it would delve into Russian literature quite quickly. <laughs> It'd be imagine. very friendly, wouldn't and it? He, he wouldn't take any of the questions. Either. He would have enjoyed the Tudor Health conversation. <laughs> he would have done, yeah, he would have enjoyed it. It's. Uh, I mean, that's a. It's a very open question. It's a very difficult one for us to answer because, as I say, yeah, we're only fully qualified pub managers, yeah. and we've got the same squad that Roy's got to to choose from. But I, you know, I, you can still be defensive. In, in your in your mindset, but play ten yards further on. You can still ask them questions. It was quite clear that for once, you know, up front, he wasn't having the same effect on their on their centre backs that he's had in games this season. So, it's, yeah, find other ways to put pressure on them. Put more pressure on them when they've got the ball, rather than just sit back and let them let them play. Because they they knew they were going to score. They knew that once they scored the first goal, that yep. was pretty much 
it's game over. But it's yeah, if you ask me, it's, I would have been starting Camarasa from from game one, to be perfectly honest, because he's. I mean, he looks like a Roy player. He's physically very strong. Roy's not having him at all. He's not. And that's well. I think we'll maybe talk about this in yeah. part two. But it's. Again, it's a question we've asked every week, Ed. Why is yeah. he at the club if Roy's not Well, I think that would be another one of those yeah, what-ifs, which we'll come to in but, part two. But I would, you know, I would certainly... We've got enough of a defensive platform to allow ourselves the luxury of one defensive midfielder who can actually get forward, who can take different dead balls, who can find a pass for AU or for Benteke when he comes on. Because, again... AU or Benteke, whoever's playing up front, gets exactly the same ball to deal with. It's it's a, either a clearance or it's somebody hoisted in a general direction. They're never getting a ball that's played so they can turn the central defender. They're on the shoulder of the central defender. They never get a ball in front of them feet to run onto. They never get a ball into their feet. They're always battling for scraps. Yeah, so and in AU's defence, it was a lot yeah. of sort of hit and hopes. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, there's nothing. The first half, yeah. it was like we were kicking for territory, like rugby. Yeah, Honestly, yeah, yeah. Like, like so many of the, like, yeah, yeah. The, the times when we actually had the ball in their half is like someone's like smashed it long for a throw-in. You know, like that was... Actually, the first half was like the best kind of ground we had. I think in terms of the approach, if you start with the approach like he did, which is like, okay, you know, like that's a, an understandable way to set up at Chelsea away. I think you have to go into that game knowing like if we go 1-0 down, which is a high chance, let's be honest, if you go 1-0 down away at a good club, this is how we shift it slightly. Yeah. You know, because we're going to have to score a goal. Like that, the only thing that you can't quibble with at all is if we go 1 0 down, we need to score or try and score a goal at yeah. some point. Which we did last season when we yeah. went 1 0 down there. And, and, and Townsend equalised. Exactly. And that, and that, oh, yeah, true. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really feel like anything changed after the goal, not, not material anyway, and not, not obviously um, in the way they played. I think also just having watched Chelsea a couple of times this year, and you, you said they've conceded quite a lot of goals. They haven't been that solid at the back. They've got young guys. Uh, I thought actually Reese James did a great job on Zaha, mm. but like you can adapt to that. Uh, and if you look at like how would you try and get in behind the team? Well, you can flip that. Zaha can go and play on the left. Yeah. Zaha can play through the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're getting nothing with Ayu, and you clearly don't think Benteke can make an impact on the game, which I think is the only conclusion we can draw from his decision making on Saturday. Why don't you shift Zaha through the middle? But then, which he has done, right? And put Zaha through the middle, and then flip Max Meyer onto the left or something, right? If you're going to sit with the front three or one, depending on how you see it, and you have Townsend on one side, what? you can have Townsend on one side <laughs> and Meyer on the other, and Zaha through the middle. That for me is infinitely more likely to make inroads behind a defence than having Ayu there and then I don't know, like sticking whoever it is on the right, like James McArthur on the right. Like it, it was just that for me that was annoying was uh, I think it was all, I mean I was jet lagged as hell as well like I, I didn't know what time it was but it was just it was just irritated me that there was no appreciation that we might go 1-0 down away at a good team and also that nothing materially changed and when you can see something's not working like Ayu wasn't working um, partially because the transitions to get the ball the amount of times we got the ball to midfield and that midfielder did not turn but mm. instead passed it backwards yeah and I understand keeping possession actually in away games is important, but it oft, more often that put us into more trouble, you know. Hmm. And I think it, as well that the timing of the goal because we got to half time and clearly the yeah. first of approach had worked, and it's almost like I thought, well, let's just get through the next half an hour, and we can see the goal after five it didn't, minutes. It didn't work though. Like it depends if you prioritise the process over the result. Like we were absolutely spanked in the first half. Yeah. Like we actually played way better in the second half and conceded two goals. And, and I think it's. That first half, Palace was so ineffective going forward because they couldn't transition the ball from defence to attack. Like It was giving the ball back to Chelsea and then waiting, essentially. Um, Ayu was a little bit more active in the second half and, and, and got more chances to do stuff, but it was they weren't getting good balls to the top. Like Zaha got booked early for coming back and making a rush challenge. He probably could have got sent off, I thought, on Saturday as well. You know, it was almost signs of the old Wilf where, like that Burnley away game, Pompey away in the League mm. Cup. Did you Carl see the Dickinson video of Wilf from after the game? No, from out, no, no I didn't. A, outside the pub and there's a Chelsea fan filming him. He clearly oh, in yeah. his oh, car. Yeah, mother, yeah, he said, yeah. like, suck your mum or something. Yeah. He said, uh, you're in Reese's pocket and Wilf shouted out the window, I've got your mum in my pocket. Yeah. Which is actually probably the best thing he's done all season. To That's be witty, to be fair. Yeah, it's quick yeah. as well. <laughs> it's, it's not bad. But the other, I mean, there's two things. The other problem with our approach is it physically... It's it's wearing. I mean, mm-hmm. you you can tell 
15 minutes and it's set off, we haven't got the energy to carry on playing like yeah, that. Yeah, MacArthur was gassed. Totally. And, yeah. and it's, again, that's when you think, well, this is where the change needs to be made. Because you know, a team like Chelsea just know that inevitably mm-hmm. the concentration will slip because they're physically tired. And the thing with Zahar is, he, sh- he must have knocked 10, 20 million quid off his value, hasn't he, this season? Yeah, yeah. I that happens, thought, though. It happens yeah. when... when mm. How often? How often does a team hold on to a player that wants to go, and their value goes up? Yeah, like yeah, it always point. happens fair this point. way, and yeah, it yeah. is, yeah. you know, it is actually like it's a shame that it's, it's happening this way. Um, but like, it's a weird thing that he can't seem to get over it. Almost yeah. like you watch him play, and like, and actually, I thought at the start of the season, you know, everyone that I talked to was like. The belief is he's going to knuckle down. He he won't go on strike or anything and all that sort of stuff, which is great. And he didn't go on strike, but he just—I think he decided like his attitude to the situation was going to be uh, right. Everyone needs to play up to my level, yeah. which is a good attitude to have yeah. in terms of like they do. Like if everyone played as well as Zaha can, then like we wouldn't be yeah. in like tenth or eleventh. We'd be in like sixth. Yeah. So I understand that, but the problem was that what would then happen is. Uh, before where he'd lose the ball and then he'd chase back and, and try and win it back he'd lose the ball and then he'd, like, he'd throw his hands up in the air or there's a bad pass and he decides instead he's going to just show his frustration at the bad pass instead of kind of trying to deal with the bad yeah, pass yeah. and that became a problem I'd say about a month ago just in terms of just when you watch the games and you can tell because you're not getting the same player as last year because it's maybe like 10% less because of this and that 10% is a lot mm. in the Premier League where everything counts. Yeah, and also, yeah, well, what, other, what do you do, do about that? <sighs> I mean, he's still our most talented player by miles. It's well, not that, well, again, that's but... part of the problem. You look at Leicester's squad, you look at Chelsea's squad, yeah, every single Leicester player is probably better than, yeah. than, than we've got in the same position. And, and again, the other, form, the other worry about, and I never thought I'd find myself saying this, is Joe Ward going to be fit for the Liverpool game? Well. Because, yeah, <clears> again, that, we've, we've talked about... We've decided that several times on this pod this season that we've got a really good squad, or no, we've got a terrible squad. And then when you see Wardy going off and Kelly coming mm. on, and you know that the chances are that Kelly's going to be right back against Liverpool. You part- I mean, Kevin, that's an excellent segue, actually, yeah. because in part two, we've got a brilliant article from Mr. Dom Fifield about what? Palace's potential transfer strategy. Should we, should we listen to it? I'd love to listen to it. Does it include a, a change in the rules so we can get a player now? I don't know. Let's let's read it and find out. So after the break, we're going to be discussing an article from our sponsors, The Athletic. Welcome back to the Fiber Plan Podcast. Hooray! Hooray, hooray, hooray. Pod 3.06. Um, It's time for part two, which of course is sponsored by The Athletic. I mean, everyone knows who they are by now, but I'm going to read it anyway. A world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace. They're a subscription-based website and app, and they're completely ad-free. No ads, no annoying pop-ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the home of new football writing. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a 30-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. Sorry, Ed, playing footsie with you on the table. That's right. That was... that's nobody the else. That's... Nobody else. There's no other out- media outlet on the planet that dedicates two people to covering Crystal Palace. Mm. Can you believe that? Really? And you can pay for it for like, like three quid a month. Not even a Croydon advertiser. It's a joke. There you go. Yeah. It is a joke. Yeah, three a joke. quid a month to be able to get that. It is an absolute and joke. And that's the best you've read it out. You've waited till Ed was here before you read it out that well. You really... When the boss is watching, you've got been, to do it. It's been noted. <laughs> right. Let's say that. This week's article is by the one and only Dom Fifield. It's called Palace Need Fullbacks and a Centre Forward. They are, working to, they are working to strengthen both areas in January. Here is a section... From the article, it starts with a little fact, actually, that we probably should have mentioned in part one, um, which certainly uh, had me opening my eyes. Opening my eyes? Anyway. Uh, This is on the Chelsea game at the weekend. Then there was the team's customary lack of firepower. The visitors failed to muster a single shot in the first half of a Premier League game for the first time since March 2014. Mm. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly the reaction. So, right, this is exactly the point, exactly what we were saying in part one, right? The first half performance, nil-nil, you could say that's a good performance away from home, but in attacking terms, it's our, literally yeah. our worst in five years. Yeah, exactly, so, which is, yeah, that's a fair point, actually, yeah. Um, Dom goes on to say, there is clearly no faith at present in the likes of Max Meyer and Victor Camarasa. Uh, I spoke to some people who know Camarasa very well uh, yesterday and today, and uh, they just don't, they don't get it. Really? Yeah, well, like, their thing is, 
I think their problem and why they probably feel a bit burnt is they had a lot of offers in the summer from I think like clubs a little higher up actually like um, kind of Europa level clubs and in British clubs or in Premier League and abroad okay but they chose Palace because they thought that he could at least play regularly basically and you know what I mean like from their point of view say he's got no future at Betis um, and it's like okay well let's get him regular football for a year on loan and then he'll increase his value and other clubs will be interested all that sort of stuff and it's gone as bad as it possibly could for what, him. What about the conspiracy theory that his contract include that we have to sign him if he plays makes a certain amount of appearances? I, I don't know about that. I mean, like I, I could try and find out, but well, like, well, it's because football, in the absence of actual facts, football fans will always no, make something up. Yeah, they? So but, I just, but, it, but it wouldn't be like we have to sign him if he plays one game, for example, right, and he's not played be, one game. Yeah, 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 has, yeah, he, yeah. has he played yeah. one? No. He's played five minutes. Well, started five minutes started, in the Premier League yeah. game, and then obviously started against Colchester yeah. in the cup. But when it seems, it sounds from what I, it's like. I mean, and obviously you talk to people close to Camarasa and they're like, he's training as hard as he can, he's perfect in training. And then like, from the other side, it's like, he's just not impressed necessarily. And it's like, okay, I mean, it's just, a sh- it's a shame because it's a different sort of player to what we're trotting out there, basically, for me. When, when so a player, what, what, when a, sorry, so, sorry, Joe, because again, I'm, I'm, I'm just fascinated by the process. Would, because we know from the Athletic articles a, a couple of weeks ago that Roy was involved in the in the Cahill signing in particular, mm-hmm. identified Cahill and McCarthy. So, it, it, it was he not involved in the Camarasa thing? Because clearly, if he's not choosing him, you. you I think there's an ele- there's a there's an element of that. I think, right. but I think you know, you look at the, I think the summer's business. I think it's no secret that the business in the summer was. Uh, focused on it being as cheap as possible. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I, like we're going to spend money in January, but. I think that the summer business, it was getting cheap. You know, the reason I didn't I didn't think Jordan I played well at all last year, but you can't get a Premier League player who, st- who could start for you 20 games a season, 25 games a season for two and a half million pounds. Like, they don't exist yeah, anymore. Yeah. They just don't exist. And, and that's why I think you had to do that deal, even if you don't think he's great, even if you actually think he should only ever be on the bench. I don't hate him. And I, no, no, he's had a great start to the season yeah. and actually like that's looked like a great signing. But it's you had to do that deal because for two and a half million pounds you can have a body on the pitch. Mm. Literally like I think that was kind of that was certainly my reading of it. And Camarasa comes on loan and you have to pay uh, I think what, one and a half million for the loan. I can't remember exact, exactly what it was, but it was you know well, you pay a Dom, fee for Dom's it. writing, by the way, as of usual, Dom's writing is really good and he he puts it into context. So with the current ownership and Simon Jordan, yeah, vis-a-vis Simon Jordan, because he was who the was pund- there, he was a pundit yeah. there, mm-hmm. who still refuses mm-hmm. to watch Palace. So it's, it's it's a very interesting context about the way Simon Jordan went about his business and the way the current owners go about theirs. But Dom also, I mean, it doesn't just imply; he pretty much states that we've got deals in the in the pipeline. Yeah. For us Can I, for, shall I read for that a, bit yeah, out from yeah, the article? Yeah. It says the fact progress is understood to be made behind the scenes in pursuit of reinforcements in both fullback positions and at centre forward. The recruitment department working actively with a view to January moves for at least three players based in England and abroad would appear promising. So and that's when, yeah. when Dom says understood, that means he knows Yeah no, no one knows the club quite like Dom. We've got yeah, like, there's a there's a, a striker deal which sounds like it might be pretty close. Um, and uh, the fullback, I mean, like we had, I think not signing a replacement for Wambasaka of any sort, even alone or something in the summer was just, I mean, it was just dreadful because you know as as much as we like Joel Ward, like one, you're relying on him to be of a Premier League level for the entire first half of the season and two you're relying on him to stay, stay yeah, fit mm. for, and, and you know even if he can do one he might not necessarily be able to do and the he's other done, he's done really well I think he's, he's been very thought, reliable he's been better than Pulisic people expected. pulled his pants down on Saturday yeah. I thought I mean, yeah, but Pulisic is probably the most on-form player. No, no, in the I mean, League, uh, yeah, of course. He, no, he's a good player, right? But like, you play in the Premier League, you're going to come up against these players. Like, there can are I, six or I, seven clubs that have got players the, that good. It, the better, the, oh, this is a no-brainer, but the better the club that Ward is faced. So against Leicester, against Man City, against mm-hmm. Chelsea, he's properly struggled because because mm-hmm. they are able to target him in a way that we thought other cl- clubs would like. They to have, have they have a, like yeah. elite wide attackers. Yeah, you know, like think of all the top clubs; they all have elite wide attackers. Yeah, and. That's what you're up against. And I mean, like, Joel Ward is always going to be the best value signing for 400k from Portsmouth that you're ever going to have, right? But, like, uh, to not have got anyone in, like, just a second choice even, a yeah. backup to Joel, is is a problem. Um, can I ask a quick question to go back on the Camarasa thing really quickly? Hit me. When, 
I'd love to. When those sort of deals are done, the loan deal, mm. and they camera us as people and him think we're going to get game time, is mm-hmm. that the sort of thing that a club like Palace, and I'm not saying happened in this situation, would promise and say, oh yeah, you know, we are going to play him. There's loads of different ways you happen. can do it. Like the big Premier League clubs now, because they've got so much leverage over their loanees that they send out, um, you know, there's some really interesting stuff around, for example, like uh, Eddie Nketiah signed on loan from Arsenal for Leeds this year. And um, Phil Hay, who covers Leeds for us, did a big piece about the presentation that Leeds sporting director had to go and give to the Arsenal top brass to convince them. I was talking to a mate who was at um, a championship club uh, out in, in kind of the West, and he was saying that they had to go to Chelsea and basically pitch for you know the players that they've been told were available, why they'd fit into our style, how much football we're going to give them, and then wow. you know quite often this manifests itself as well in like financially structured deals. So this is our contribution if he plays. This is our contribution if he doesn't play. So like there, and if clubs really want a player to, for example, get a lot of first team minutes in the championship, they'll be willing to let him go for like we'll pay his full wages if he plays ninety minutes. But if he's on the bench, it's going to cost you twice his wages. Wow. You see what I mean? Okay, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, there's, there's incentives. Yeah, yeah. But, it, you know, the big clubs have all the small clubs by the balls, as ever. Like, that's just football now, unfortunately. Is, is Mark Bright still... Is that technically his role? Because he used to be in charge of the loan. His role is now. currently author, I believe. No, he's he's his releasing book his book, yeah. I'm, I'm hosting his book launch. Are you? Uh, this, Are you? At the end of this month. In oh, a, fantastic. In a pub in Tulse Hill, which is slightly depressing. Uh, yeah, but he, that was his official role, though. That he was, well, you know better than I do, then. You, uh, pre- so, I, I don't think it's a secret. He used to be a sort of liaison, lone liaison. Yeah, he was, he was, well, like, a lot of clubs have loan managers now, like yeah. the, t- the bigger clubs. I mean, we, I don't know if we need it. We haven't got that many out on loan. Back to the, the three players coming in. So this is sort of implies that we're ahead of ourselves in terms of signing these players, because normally we panic at the end of January and bring somebody a in. Lot, so are we looking to bring these in on the first week of January? A lot of... Think, a lot of um, a lot of transfers for January are being kind of done around now, right. this period here, because in December there's a lot of games. Um, so you want to at least have the outline deal in place. Things can change in December and stuff, obviously, and you can pull the trigger at the start of Jan. But um, I think it, it sounds like the striker the striker deal is probably going to happen. Um, that sounds like it came from Ian Moody from, from the sounds of it. Um, I don't know that for sure, so, but it, it seems very much like a deal that, that he would do. Um, as a good young fullback that they like, um, who I think is interesting clubs bigger than us. But I mean, if we could get it, like you know, we've got the Wambasaka money, right? And they, mm-hmm. there was that uh, was it. Kieran found uh, Kieran Maguire of the Price of Football yeah. podcast that Kevin does, which is a very very interesting podcast about kind of the finances of football. Kieran found this um, a charge for, to Macquarie, the Australian yeah. investment bank, yeah. which yeah. is basically Palace borrowing twenty five million. Ahead of like they're going to get that money anyway from Man United for the Wan Bissaka deal, but they're basically getting it a little early, uh, so we, they can spend money in January. Interesting. Just on camera, so we had a few questions. So I'm going to put them to you. Paulie Mantel, hi Paulie, says, "What is Roy's issue, issue with camera?" So we're crying out for creativity in the middle. Mark Cheson, 1967, oh, says, Chesan. "Why does Roy hate creativity in the midfield?" And Jaxa CPFC says, "Did we sign camera?" So you can sit at home and play Fortnite. <laughs> hi Jaxa. Um, <laughs> We've covered, mm. we've, we've talked about this every week in some way, shape or form. We we know the sort of players Roy likes. So Camaras's loan was a slight surprise anyway, but there was always that thing where there's no risk involved. We st- we don't know whether Roy was involved in bringing him in or not. It Obviously, it would seem less and less so because he's not. Then there was the issue as well, which is always, Sells is always talking about that Roy likes the idea of bedding a player in he wants to look at him in training yeah. for six or seven weeks he mm-hmm. very rarely throws players in but I think any bedding in period is long yeah. long gone so who? I don't think we'll ever be in the absence of the club actually telling us and there's no reason why they would do that yeah. we, we can only speculate week after week you're at week. the point where yeah. he is bedded in yeah. but like when you're a new player I've talked to players about this before when you're a new player at a club in a country you don't know that well like in a city you don't know that well you're not in the team. Yeah. You don't feel actually like kind of integrated into the squad. Yeah. Like, you know, you're going to have friends in the squad and for him, Guaita and people like that are very important, right? But in, if you're not part of the actual unit that's playing the games and stuff, if you're not even in the dressing room, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. on, a game, on a game like Saturday, it's like, it's difficult for a player like that because then like he has to try and rouse himself for training every day knowing this is probably pointless. Um I'm more, you know, like if he, if Roy has decided he doesn't like Camarasa, 
Like that is obviously when you have a manager, you have to kind of go with that decision. The thing for me that was weird was just Maya because I, you, I, I don't think he. I think he, I mean he's in a very interesting case, and you could go very deep on him based on kind of like when he was at Schalke, you know, with Draxler. Like he was the talented team. Yeah. You know, he was the guy who they thought was going to be the best of them all. And and it's not quite worked out for him, but he's still the top three to five most talented players we have in the squad in terms of actual football talent. And uh, I thought that was weird that you wouldn't even have him on the bench mm. for a game like that because you know we could have done without a couple of those players who, you know, who weren't going to use the subs anyway. And well, then, he came on the previous weekend at Leicester. It wasn't very he good. He had a stinker was, against Leicester. But actually. was given 15 minutes. Again, how many times have we said that on this pod? How can you adapt to the Premier League if you're not playing in the Premier League? And the thing with Camarasa is he played virtually every game for Cardiff last season. So it's yeah. not, it, he knows the Premier and did League. Well. He's physically suited to it. And he gives Mayer these little cameo appearances almost in a way that's designed to make him fail, in a sense. Because what's he going to do? We're coming on against Leicester when we're, yeah. we're being beaten by a better side. I still don't think whatever Roy says that Mayer's best suited to playing wide left. I'd love to see him play as a 10 or off a striker or in the centre of midfield but so he's we're just not it just won't happen it, it, it won't and again it's it's two the two big what ifs are the two most arguably most skillful players we've signed since goodbye probably I think post Liverpool hmm. post Liverpool we've got a pretty nice run of fixtures where you can look at it and be like yeah we can win all those games yeah. we won't but you can look at it and be like you know all of those are winnable games and so you'd hope there'd be a bit more ambition in those games and thus like what I would like because my best position was a number 10 basically when he was yeah. coming through and he was playing in like a four-two-three-one, where that accommodates that. We don't play that shape, so I'd like to see him either actually starting games, you know, on the left, or basically what we're doing. Kind of when he, when we play the four-four-two with Zaha and Ayu, kind of as a as a pair, it's like a an old-fashioned. It reminds me of kind of that um, Sheringham Solskjaer vibe, the, like the Cole and York, where like it's a front two, but like one drops off, yeah, yeah. one drops off yeah. and creates really, and the other one is just a striker. Now, why couldn't Max Meyer play as Kind of the the drop off guy in a, in a front two. Like if you don't trust him defensively, which you know is clearly one of the yeah, issues, yeah. and he's a talented guy who's creative and stuff. What do you think, like uh, Maya behind Zaha would look like up front compared to having like Andre? Do, like, does, he like the, ask, does he ask, lack the physicality to even play that position? Not, it's the Premier League, mate. I don't. I don't. Phys- like the physicality, I think is overblown in the Premier League. The Bundesliga. Like, you look at the Bundesliga. They're not all five foot eight. They're, it's a big, strong league. And also the thing is. Trying these things because the thing is, that defenders know what they're going to get when they play Palace. If you throw them a curveball occasionally, so they have to readjust at the start mm-hmm. of the game, but we never do because they know that's, yeah, that's they fair. know what's going to happen. They know that nine times out of ten, Benteke will come on after seventy-five minutes, so they can have a rest. So it's like <laughs> offer them yeah. something different. Well, speaking but, of curve, but just one thing: the Kabai things. Isn't it? Somebody asked, said in the pub after the Leicester game, would Hodgson have played Kabai? Interesting. Right, that's a good question. I, I think he probably would because he was spiky. He, he had that defensive capability. But yeah, yeah, he had more to his yeah. game than just yeah. the ability. And but. also, by the way, if you were going to do that imaginary front two that Roy will never play, you can then play MacArthur on the right. Yeah. You could play a, a schlop on the left if you want. Like oh, that I, narrow four. I, I, yeah, I will yeah, allow yeah. you to play <laughs> the defensive back four, defensive midfield four, if we have yeah. an, a semi-interesting attacking yeah. lineup ahead yeah. of it. Okay, well, speaking of semi-interesting attacking lineups, we've got one question from Aidan McGee, one of our patrons, Hi, and it's on transfer, so I'm going to chuck it in here, and Eddie, you don't have to answer, you can just give me the eyes or whatever, but uh-huh. it says, Giroud for five million, worth a punt, surely? I, I, I think that there'll be bigger, more interesting clubs than us interested. You know, but just be, I mean, partly because he's won a World Cup, mm-hmm. um, He's he's French. Like if he wants to stay in London, then even like he's French. You, did you say? So? Yeah. <laughs> well, but no. But no, what I mean yeah, is, sorry. Yeah, I so to, yeah. for clarity, like if Marseille or Monaco yes, or Lyon yeah. come in, for, it was like at five million. Why wouldn't one of those clubs yeah, come yeah, in? Yeah. I kind of feel like uh, if you're a French guy, then Marseille is way more attractive than South London. Now, if he loves London. Then great, but then yeah. what about West Ham? Yeah, or what about Watford? Or you know, Dominic. Mm. It's not a foreseen. Dom was on three, four weeks ago. Yeah, when it's first rumor, mm. Dom pretty much laughed it out of. Oh, did court, he? Yeah, he said, well, yeah no, that, that was very much what I'd heard. Yeah, yeah. But well, he said basically, Giroud's publicly said it's kind of Champions League. He's got a very high opinion of his talent. Yeah. It, it, he's, well, he's, he's going to Champions League. Also, you just can't imagine him in our changing room. Really, it's like we all know his two-hour pre-match might, might be too tall for And again, so yeah. like. Yeah. You can go and play in the south of France. Yeah. Marseille, Monaco. Yeah. He, I mean, he was at Montpellier. That's where he kind of came through, mm. right? Like, that is a way more attractive proposition, I think, for a French player well, at the end of their career. The other thing as well is, if you, why would you bring in a centre-forward and not adapt your wing play accordingly? 
Because if we're going to bring an old-fashioned centre forward in, surely that implies that we're going to start putting crosses in. But and we already have one on our ranks. And we've already got Benteke, and we don't put crosses in. So in many ways, the Belgian Giroud. Yeah. Um, sorry, Aidan, doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Um, let's oh, don't wrap take up. A, don't take our word for it. Aiden. Oh, <laughs> I like to you know deal in definites. Uh, so that article is called Palace Need Fullbacks and a Centre Forward. They're working to strengthen both areas in January by Don Firefield. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a 30-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. After the break, we've got questions from our listeners. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! Right, ready for some questions? Of course. Born ready. Matt Buckland. Hi, Matt. Bucky. Oh, oh, Bucky, one of our patrons, says, after the great start of the season, have we reversed round the corner that we turned? (laughs) Very good question. How does that work? Yeah, have we? Maybe. I I think if Streety was here, we know the expression he'd be using. He'd be reverting to the mean. Well, can I I throw Uh, you the next question from Charlie Sullivan, another one of our patrons, said, after a great great start and tricky run, have we now reverted to our mean league position? It's like streets in the room. Or have we had a harder fixture run? (laughs) I mean, mean, it is fairly, uh, to use a phrase we haven't used for two pods, typical Palace. I mean, it, it is tough luck to be six in the table and to have your next five games against the five teams above you. Although, having said that... As, you wouldn't be as, a sixth on the table otherwise. Well, exactly. Yeah. And, and as we've said, there are times when we've been 17th and the next 16 games have been above the 16 teams above yeah. us. But I've, I've always said we should look at the 10 games, the five after this, and then judge it on that. And you you just hope that the run of bad results hasn't knocked the conflict. We Remember, we had a really tricky run... We had five or six games in a row like this in the last season. We didn't get... I think we only got one point out of them. So, And, and we haven't been... Battered. We haven't been the better team in any game, but we matched Arsenal. That was probably a fair result. But we, Leicester, to be fair, Leicester and Chelsea were much better teams I than, all I, the than results I thought. Have generally, probably been what expected, really, wouldn't they? Yeah, Just fair results, right. but we're not losing. We're not losing four or five nil to these. Yeah. To these teams. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I I will refuse to talk about VAR because I think it's the, just the dullest topic in We've the world. We've actually had no questions about it. Uh, so. Good. No, no, no. Good. But all I wanted to say is, so far, like unmistakably Palace have been lucky with VAR yeah. like we've won points from VAR yeah, yeah. where like the West Ham game I was watching that and I was like that is a joke yeah. I mean like I'm happy I'll take it don't get me yeah, wrong I think it was uh, I mean like I I, it was I, if we'd lost a game like that I would lose my marbles the, yeah. t- the TV would have been off the wall yeah. been smashed into pieces well the Arsenal goal it was chalked off as well oh the Arsenal goal yeah, yeah so I think yeah. I thought that was a foul you know, as well we're yeah. up on VAR right we oh, are, yeah. we're up undoubtedly so yeah. like now, the biggest fallacy is that luck evens itself out over the season. It's only 38 games. Like It might not even itself out this season, but it, it might. We might get some rough ones in the second half of the season. We might get a lot of rough ones next year. You don't know. But there is that element as well, is that we, we, we had a good start. We're overperforming in terms of VAR, which can be very impactful. But we've got such a good run of fixtures coming up before Christmas that I kind of feel like, you, you know, we could be top eight yeah. by New Year. By New Year, and that and that is I such an that. such an important foundation. We yeah. we don't need many points to have twenty points going into next season, the next year. Yeah, if we've got twenty points at the start of the year, we're way up on where we've normally yeah. been. And also, VAR will have more of an impact because, without a doubt, Mike Riley will use this international break as he's already hinted to tell referees they've got to look at the monitors. So, for the rest of the season, games are going to be fifteen minutes long because yeah. the refs are going to check the monitor for every single decision now. And then they'll say to the media, well, you keep telling us to check the monitor, so mm-hmm. we're doing it every time. So that we might get more penalties mm-hmm. out of that than others. But you're right, it is a very... And the other, the other little thing, thing, the other little thing for me as well, uh, well, it's not a little thing, actually, I think it's quite a big thing. The kind of big question mark hanging over Palace this entire season is not was not will for anything like that. It, it was always going to be whether the, Amer- the Americans can sell their yeah. stake, right? Yeah. Like The most important thing for the future of the club was always that. And... Having a good start to the season when you're not threatened with relegation means so much more for a club in our situation, you know, because it's like we can, if if you can look at the club in January and it's got 28 points and be like, right, they're not going to get relegated this year. Someone might actually buy that, you right. know, and so it makes it more attractive. Yeah, like you know, we, you know, we think there are, you know, there are people circling that would be interested in buying the club, and it's like not having 12 points. And having to throw money at players in January just to try and yeah, survive. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The difference between those two scenarios is absolutely huge. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. It, it is, although the big scenario is that Steve Parrish will almost certainly insist that he remains as chairman, won't he? 
I mean, like, the, the thing at the, the moment is, uh, like, you can't get people to talk too much about it because, like, when you get to a certain stage, people sign NDAs. Okay. And like they legally can't tell you yeah, anything, okay. uh, so like you you feed on on scraps. But like there, you know, I think I think we're going to write about it soon. So it's okay. it's. Uh, but basically, it's just for me that at the start of the season, um, I think I wrote, I think I wrote this basically that the big question hanging over the club is not Whitfield. It is it is whether we get taken over and what that takeover looks like. As you say, whether Steve stays on or whether you know the new owners are like, no, we want to run it our way and stuff because, like, that's kind of. A huge question in yeah, itself yeah. but having a good start to the season is so so important for that mm. and like you know Roy Hodgson could have saved the club in, in more ways than one with this great start wow. interesting wow. okay well uh, moving on then Phil Walsh hi Phil one of our patrons good old patron Phil says um, Palace have won every game this season in which Kelly and Cahill have started mm. I haven't checked that so it might not be true but it sounds true <laughs> Why has Roy not persisted with this and in- instead opted for Tompkins and Sacco, who appear to be struggling with form and injury? Well, Kelly got injured, didn't he? I, I suspect if Kelly hadn't been injured, he would have carried on. Uh, again, this is a discussion we've had on this pod, Ed, is that Tompkins and Sacco are arguably the better centre-backs, mm-hmm. but Kelly and Cahill are the better centre-back pairing. I think they look comfortable together. I mean, Tompkins is, is clearly a good footballer, but he, he's only got three or four games in a row. Sacco's the same. Cahill and Kelly are the two that are most likely, well, ironically, Kelly's out injured, but was out, but Cahill and Kelly are the most likely to be fit game in, game out. And they look, they they sort of fit Roy's template better as well, don't they, in terms of the sort of player he likes, Cahill especially. And he, Cahill, we, know yeah, he loves, sure. we know he loves Kelly. Mm. So I, I, I have a feeling that they, if all four were fit, I have a feeling that they would still be his first two. If Joel Ward were to be out until January, um, the immediate do we do we think that might be the case? I've not even checked in, so please, like, okay, I'm not saying yeah. that is no, the case. No, no, I'm not saying that is the case. I just well, it just Dom, you had Dom, yeah. Dom seems to think that he'd be out for a, at least for the Liverpool game in the okay. yeah, yeah, so, yeah, but like. So. I, it, no, it's, it's just it was just something that occurred to me straight after the game. We were chatting about the game after, and um, if Joel Ward's out, we don't have a right back. Martin Kelly's the only right back we have, and considering we're playing Liverpool, especially as well, like I wouldn't be averse to him. You know, one of the strongest parts of our squad now is is how many good centre backs we have. Yeah, yeah. Like, just put three of them in. Yeah, you know. I think Van Arnholt is a better wing. Van yeah, yeah, is a better wing back yeah, than he's a left back. Here we go. I think. Yeah. Obviously, on the right, we don't have anyone. Like, wan could have been great, but, like, we don't have anyone. But you, I think Andros could do that role. Yeah. I think you could even have, like, MacArthur in that role because he's got the energy, he's defend, like, he can tackle. Andros like, did do that role, yeah. didn't he, for a game? Yeah, and Andros has done it. And, and for Frank. me, I was just thinking, right, you got Sacco, Tompkins, Cahill, Kelly. Four, like, good centre-backs. They are the strength of the squad, probably. If you string three of them across, especially against a team like Liverpool, who are going to have a lot of chances, probably, and scare us... You could put Van Arnold on the left, maybe Andros on the right, three in the middle so you don't lose the midfield battle, which is going to be massive in, in a game like yeah. that. And you can still leave two up top. Mm-hmm. So it might be a case of literally just leave two up top and like they have to attack on their own. And if they if Zaha can create something out of nothing and score a goal, then maybe get a point or whatever. Yeah. But why not utilise the strength of the personnel we have, cover up the, the hole that's been left by Joel Ward's injury and, and potentially poor squad building... But you still retain that midfield strength, and you still have two up top. If you just have one up top against Liverpool, you'll never get the ball. Forget it. Yeah, you yeah, won't have the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a revolutionary idea, and actually, I'd love to see it. You will never do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I've got to say, zero percent chance. I don't yeah. think I don't think Roy's ever played that shape. I can't imagine he has. It's just something that occurred to me because. It was like we're gonna to have to play Kelly at right back, but Kelly is a centre back. Yeah, and then it's like, why have we got so many centre backs and no right backs? Yeah. And I just thought, man, just try it. And we, and certainly on the left of PVA, that's ideal for him. I think you're right. On the right side, it, it's more iffy. If AWB was here, that would work. But it strikes me as the sort of thing Roy's more likely to try in an FA Cup tie against Grimsby at home than he is yeah. against Liverpool. Yeah. Well, I someone think... someone said to me the other day as well. They said PVA's not been playing well recently. Um, like, I don't know what, what you guys think about that, but I think the thing with him is basically. When he plays well, people, it's because he's attacked well, like he's scored or he's yeah. set up a goal, whatever. I think his defending defending's always kind of the same. You, you all, he's got the speed to recover, but he will make mistakes and leave gaps. 
Well, it, that's really interesting because the stats, and I, I'm like JD with stats, I'll kind of make them up when they, to suit my thing, but we all thought the PVA had had a really bad game against Leicester, but it turns out he'd put more tackles in, more intercepts, more headers than anybody else in the in the back four, so he's clearly not. But he, he seems to come into his own in the second part of the season. When we're relatively safe and when Roy releases the handbrake yeah, a little yeah. bit, PVA suddenly starts to look a really good thing. But I'm with you, I think he's a better wing-back. I think he'd be happier playing wing-back than he And also, by the way, as, yeah. if we signed a left-back, I wouldn't be averse to him playing on the left of a Roy midfield four. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Him, well, the yeah. link with him and Zaha, like him and yeah. Zaha do play well together. Yeah. You know, there are sometimes well, places have that link. But when, remember when Loftus-Cheek was there as well, the second part of that season, when the three of them Those were, three were, were linked, great, yeah. really linked well together. And Loftus-Cheek covered for, for Van Arnold when he did go on his burst forward. Oh, they definitely, they like the sort of hashtag doing bits, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Left, um, which is young person speak. Um, we have had a few questions about Zaha. I wasn't going to do it, but quite a few people are asking sort of what the future holds for him. So David Cheeseman says to move hi, forward... David. Yeah. Hi, David. Does Zaha need to go? David Warnham says Zaha... Hi, Hi, David. Another David. What is best for him and Palace now? And Chris Chantry says, while he's clearly our best player, would you rest Wilf for a couple of games? One, to protect him from the backlash he's getting. uh, And two, to encourage his team to play a different way. So what? I think with hindsight, and I I didn't think I'd ever find myself saying this because I was desperate for him to stay. With hindsight, probably the best thing would have been to let him go early in the summer and use the money to bring somebody in then because it's inevitable that he's not going to be our player it's only a matter of time as to when that happens I doubt it, if he'll be let go in January I think I think he'll go in the summer I think the way he's been playing this season the number of clubs that will want to bring him in is probably diminishing the number of clubs that can afford him although I think the his transfer value probably... will, have, will, have, will have dropped Yeah, I still think Chelsea seems the most mm-hmm. likely fit and I still think that We'll have to accept a player swap deal because no one's going to pay, even if it's sixty million. No one's going to pay sixty million in cash up front. Will you take like thirty plus Loftus cheek yeah, all, like all the time? Yeah. All well, we'd have to have or, at least or, someone because you, without yeah. Wilf, you then end up with absolutely zero. And I quote Sales on this ball carriers yeah, in yeah. the team. That's true. There'd be actually no yeah. one that could also make by the way the, the player swap thing works as well because um, of the sell-on thing. Like yeah. it, it, it makes all the sense in the world yeah. if you can strike that deal. I think obviously that you know if Chelsea can get the transfer ban overturned, then January might come into play. But is that going to? Can is that going to? I don't think so. Could, I don't. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know. They're appealing, but I don't know yeah. if they've actually got any grounds to appeal. Yeah, exactly. Really? Yeah. Um, well, the grounds are they're a big club with a lot of money. Yeah, they're, that, they're, that, that helps. They seem pretty banged to rights, but they've got yeah. some good lawyers, so I shouldn't say too much. Is, is there anything <laughs> in the Man United rumor that suddenly cropped up this weekend for Wilf? Uh, I'm kind of the thing with Wilf. There's, there's two things that are interesting. Is one the Chelsea transfer ban situation? I think could alter the landscape. The other one is, as we know, Wilf uh, parted with his agent uh, and didn't get the move. So we've got a situation here where, you know, say a £70 million player has no agent and all the other top agents... I think think we'll write something about this soon because it's quite interesting... It's a rare thing to happen. It's very interesting. He's still with Will Sorthouse, but they're insisting he sees out his notice. Right, yeah. yeah, So so he's in limbo at the moment, isn't he? But But there are obviously a ton of other agents... Falling over themselves to represent Wilf Zaha yeah. because one, when you sign a player, what you want to do is move him because that's how you make money. Two, he has said he wants to move, so you're not even doing the bad bit. Like he's done <laughs> yeah, the hard work for yeah, you. Yeah. Him and Will did the work for you, and now you come in and basically, I I feel like the agent that Wilf will choose is going to be based on the promises that agent can make to him about what club they can get him to, and obviously they have to be able to carry through on the promise. And it's almost a situation where he can just say, come to me with a deal fully formed and I will sign with you, you know what I mean? So that is just an extra wrinkle to the whole situation where whatever Palace at some point will need to decide what they would take. Okay, so one, that sounds like a game show, which I definitely <laughs> watch. And two, it sounds to me like that's almost certainly guaranteeing his departure next summer. Well, no, Palace still have the biggest part to play in it, don't they? You know? And, and I... I I don't know. I don't, I'm a bit like Kevin. I don't know how any deal would look like. Whether you player plus cash or like if someone's going to come up with the money. The biggest thing going against Wilf now is actually his age. Yeah, yeah. So is he 20, 27 now? Right, but it's like yeah. if you're going to spend sixty mil on a player at twenty seven who's a winger, 
And there's a 22-year-old exciting winger in France yeah. who you can buy for like probably the same price. You know, like Nicola Pepe went to from Lille to Arsenal for like 80. Um, and ostensibly, Zaha was an alternative there, right? So you look at those two and, and you know, you go. For, I think in football you go for the younger guy every time. For the sell-on. Yeah, yeah, because that's it, you know. Well, this is Wilf's last big chance for a major payday. If you it, sign Will, if yeah. you sign Wilf now, that move. Yeah. if you sign Wilf now, four-year, five-year contract, whatever, you know, his next move is going to be thirty, thirty-one. Yeah. What value will he have at thirty, thirty-one? Don't know. Interesting. Uh, wish I was twenty-seven again. Um, final question then from. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> you're, you know, you're sneaky old. Because you kind of you act in a in a very childlike manner, which I enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> Always have done. Um, but no greys or anything. I think you're looking pretty good. Mm, they are down the side, but my no head, headphones. Are... The forehead looks forehead looks solid. Thanks, man. Not actually his hair. He bought brown. <laughs> oh, and of course, yeah, import, <laughs> he imported it, didn't he? I was about to say Ed can come on again, but you cannot come on again. That's it. Got the turf specialist here. <laughs> um, right, final. My worth, Andros. Um, Nolly Powis. Hi, Nolly. Says, uh, with the success of Frank Lampard at Chelsea, who does the pod think is the best ex-player manager would be? I'm guessing for Palace. Haven't we done this? We've had it. We've had a few. We've had a few, haven't we? Although Steve, do you remember Steve did say? I think he actually said it in public. Um, he likes someone with a Palace connection because he thinks that the fans have more patience with them. I yeah. think that's true. I think that's true. I think it's true for sure. I think we've run out though, possibly of ex-Palace players that can come back as manager. As manager, well, Sean Derry's not. Sean Derry's <laughs> going to be in the system, isn't he? Good old Sean, friend of the pod, of course. Um, legend. The answer is Valerian Ishmael. <laughs> he's doing well. No, he's very, is he coaching? He's doing well. Is he? Yeah, he is. Whereabouts? Yeah. Um, Somewhere. They're in the Champions League. I can't remember where it is, but he's, uh, he's turned we'll out fi- to be a remarkably good manager. We'll find that during the break. Yeah. And in part four, we'll let you know. And we'll also preview Palace's game after the international break against Liverpool. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast. Uh, it's part four of our pre-international break uh, episode. Ooh. I've forgotten, Kevin, that actually we don't normally preview the next game on this one because we've got next week's. I, I, Although, can I tease, actually, that we've got a special guest on next week's pod? Not yes. on the pod, but I'm doing a pre-record this week. Oh, oh. Uh, I didn't know this. Shall I reveal or shall yeah, I save it? Uh, it's with uh, Palace Academy director, Gary Isser. Oh, nice one. Yeah, nice so I think we'll actually throw that out to some questions uh, yeah. this week. And yeah, let's not preview questions. Liverpool this week. Let's have a week off the, the worry. <laughs> you hate the, the previews, panic. don't you? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. And we, the international break, so, yeah. Well, yeah, that's why we're having Gary on next week as a pre-record, cool. um, to fill that international gap. Um, Ed, have we found out who Valerian Ishmael manages? Yeah, then? so he was he was managing Wolfsburg, uh, of course. Everyone knows the, the club of Volkswagen, and uh, recently in the Champions League. Then he was managing in Cyprus, but he got the big move to Austria, where he's in charge of LASK Linz. Mm. Oh, okay, and they're doing well. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, big Austrian, big Austrian club, <laughs> lovely. Well, look, look, instead of previewing Liverpool at the end, then can I ask you a couple more questions from our listeners? And they're they're, they're general, they're general questions. Uh, Harry, hi Harry, says. Actually, I don't even know if I've got time for this, but are we facing the same problems as Stoke and West Brom? Have we hit the Prem ceiling? And do we, the fan base, keep on expecting more and more year and year and getting repeatedly more frustrated with the lack of improvement? And on the flip side, Leif Anderson's forehead Hi, Leif. says, are the panel fed up with Palace fans complaining as soon as we lose a couple of games? We're a mid-table team. We'll more than likely finish there. Yeah, both. <laughs> yes, to both. Um, the, I mean, the first question's very interesting about, um, I think, you need to ask that at the start of the pod because it's an hour-long answer, isn't it? Yeah, really? I decided to the time it's now. It's an hour-long but... discussion. It, it's, you know, be careful what you wish for because you know, it's very difficult to get back out of the championship and you know, we need to moderate our ambition and my ambition is to stay in the Premier League because as like, much as I hate its effect on the rest of Best football. Best long-term it's, palace picture yeah. probably involves a European Super League, the top six piss-off. Which is coming. And then... <laughs> We yeah. we right. become a top four club of what's left. Yeah, you know, like you know, who's going to be up there? You guess Wolves, Everton, Newcastle, maybe mm. Palace. Like that's probably the best long term picture for Palace. Um, like, but you know, the thing is, we all grew up with crap, so it doesn't matter. Like, whatever happens, <laughs> exactly. Happens. And these are the glory days. Yeah, yeah. So, to, I mean, to, yeah, to an extent. I mean, we've we've not been out of the top right, two divisions for since nineteen seventy seven. So we're, we're forty-two years. Yeah, so we're probably overachieved compared to you know the the difference in our perception of how bad we are and how mm. good we are is, is a huge one for Palace fans and I'm sure for the for a lot of other clubs yeah. as well. But 
and there is a frustrating. You know, last week's pod was particularly frustrating because it came off the back of a frustrating performance against a team that are showing much more ambition than, but have got much more money than we have in Leicester. But, Being where we want to be, yeah. But I, yeah. But if Leicester. we can maintain our place, yeah. The frustrating thing is that it, it looked like this season where there would be some progress and we would be comfortable. And I don't think there's any chance in hell of us getting relegated. But I also don't like the fact that we haven't won for five games because I was getting quite used to. <laughs> The, the cheerful, playful pods. Yeah. <laughs> getting, quite, nice, getting quite used they? to not hating the rest of my weekend. Yes, essentially, yeah. yeah. Being able to watch Match of the Day and buy the papers on Sunday, none of which I can do when we haven't won. Well, that might come back soon. We've got a couple yeah. of hard games left, Liverpool being one of them, and then, you know, maybe, maybe it'd be a nice Christmas. Yeah, I mean, West Ham fans are in a much worse mood than we are, and they've got five really difficult games coming up as well, and they spent 150 million quid in the summer. So. They're always in a worse yeah. mood than us, anyway. And uh, they're yeah. playing a the worst stadium in the Premier League without a doubt and, and East London is terrible yeah. but I'm not going to go on I'm yeah. not going to go on they know Sorry, what they are listeners in East London um, let's wrap it up there because actually that feels like quite a positive we've covered a lot yeah, of West ground West Ham are worse than us <laughs> yeah, it's positive it's whatever great. happens West Ham fans are worse <laughs> off um, Ed thanks very much for being on the podcast it was an honour and a privilege uh, as ever uh, theathletic.com slash FYP best coverage of Crystal Palace in the planet uh, I like that, yeah. that well. and uh, Kevin Day just always for being Kevin nice to be out the house. Listen to Kevin's Price of Football podcast. It's really good as well. It, it is, is yes. Thank you very much for that yeah. plug. And it's going very well. It is going very well, yes. And uh, look out for news of a move to a major new Ooh. platform. Interesting. <laughs> and on that note, we will thank you for listening this week. And uh, that's it. Enjoy the rest of your week. See you again soon. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.